Welcome to our Wednesday night sheer weekly, every week. I guess that's what weekly means. Um, yeah, someone's going to check up on the archives, find out what number sheer this is. Today is Chaf Menachemov. Today, meaning Wednesday, was Chaf Menachemov. The Shabbos Pashas Ekev, Hoya Ekev Tishmoon. The Shabbos is Shabbos Mevarachim Chedish El. The mere thought, the mere words bring a tremor to people's hearts. I'd like to remind everybody this year is dedicated Lila Nishmas Eliza Shalom Esalam. When we say the word El, people start to worry and to think. The women start to cook for Rosh Hashanah. And we start to do tshuva. Acheinu Asvardim, as the Rebbe would refer to them. Begin Slichas, from Rishchidish El. Customs of Rishchidish El, we'll of course discuss them yet, Shem the next Shir, next Wednesday. Since Rish Chedish is on Shabbos Chedish and Sunday, Shabbos is Shabbos Mevarach Machedish, and we know the Minhagim, upon the Minhagim Chabad, we say the entire Tehillim, um, it's said usually before davening. Um, the minion goes, starts at 8.30 and tries to get Tehillim done, people try to get done in two hours, May 8.30 to 10.30, you see many, many, many people getting head starts. And coming to shul much, much earlier than that. So that they can finish till on time. And Shachris, of course, at 7.70. Akapanam starts at 10.30. The second of the Shabbosim of the Shiva the Nechemta. First, of course, being Nachmu Nachmu Ami. And this is now the second of the seven Shabbosim. Seven weeks of Nechama. Seven weeks the Navi gives his condolences. And they're very involved. They brought down very, very involved Sikhs of how the seven weeks go one into the other, go hand in hand, and how it has to start with Nachmu Nachmu Ami, to the other Nevi'is that we have, Chazayin Shayo, etc. Not Chazayin Shayo, I'm sorry, that's Paj <laughs> Chazayin. The other, the, the other Shiva, the Nechemta, the other seven Haftedis that refer to Nechama and peace, not Yechavid, Nechama, I said. I'd like to, of course, start the discussion with Kof Menachemov. Kof Menachemov, Yeme Lula of the Revlevik, the Rebbe's father. Revlevik, 
devoted his life to Torah study. As I said, his life, his entire life, his enthusiasm to study Torah was in a way of l'afshalo. Especially when it came to Primus HaTera, in a way of Yisparnasun to Tera's Chassidus Chabad. Levik, of course, is a very big Kabbalist. He's very well versed in <laughs> Zayad. <laughs> Are they funny, your guardians? Yeah. The name itself, Levi Yitzchok, has a special connection to Teda. The idea of Shevet Levi was to carry Bris Hashem. <laughs> was to carry the Bris Hashem, to carry the Aron Yerim Shpetach Yaakov, B'Seroschel Yisrael. And Teda, the same way as also the name of Yitzchok, has a special connection with Matan Teda. As we know, the three Yom Tevim Shuas connected Yitzchak. Tkiyah Shefer Matanteda Hashem B'Shefer came from Eli Shel Yitzchak, from the ram of Yitzchak, from the Kedis Yitzchak. So that was his name of Levi Yitzchak. He is interred in the city called Almata, which is the other end of the world. <laughs> You go west, you go east from Moscow until the world comes to an end. You're almost back in in California already, and that's Almaty, Kazakhstan. Sefer Yitzchayim. He didn't have when he was in prison. He didn't have the sefer. He weren't allowed to bring any sefer to him when he was in prison. Especially not in a great and big format. Still, in all, he wrote many, many footnotes on the Sefer Yitzchayim, as we see in his memoirs, and we see the sources that he came up with. Evlevik was the rov in the city called Nepe, the Nepepetrovsk, and the city of the Nepepetrovsk was not just a small city in Russia in Ukraine; it's actually from the larger cities. But most importantly, he was the Rav Harashi of the Ukraine. He was the head, chief rabbi of Ukraine. Now, for those of you that are well versed in the uh, cutting of the wheat for matzahs, yes, cutting of the wheat of matzahs, you would know <coughs> it's a very, very time-consuming, but it's also a very precise thing that has to be done. The wheat needs to be, the, the stalks need to be dry for a certain amount of time till they're cut, there shouldn't be any rain, etc. And there's only a certain tkufa. You see yourself? You don't see yourself. There's only a certain tkufa that they can actually cut the wheat. Now, if the wheat does not meet standards of a certain rabbi, the rabbi would not accept that wheat for his matzahs for Pesach. The Russian government was very concerned with the stringencies of Levik. So much so that they got very involved and they came to him and they told him they're going to, he's going to have to look away a little bit. <laughs> you have a funny pair of guardians. Oh, 
She looked back. Who's holding me? You're there. You're there. Who's holding me? Yes. Um, when Ablevik refused to hear anything, Ablevik refused to curve any which way, form, or fashion from the ultimate way of halacha, he was imprisoned. And imprisonment wasn't enough for them. They decided they had to go all nine yards. They sent him off to an exile to a city of like Almata. Someone touches his eyes. Someone touches his eyes. Did you come back? Okay. <laughs> a little strong for you. Yeah, it's okay. I mixed a little bit of vodka. Um, well, that's what we need now. He was sent off to the city of Al-Matah. He was sent there with nothing. He was not, not allowed to take anything. Not a safer, not a book. Not a stillin. His imprisonment was very severe. They uh, actually, you know, we're not going to minimize anybody else's imprisonments, but you can imagine of certain people that are in prison today, and ten, multiply it by ten is what Levik was going through. There are many different books that Rebbeinu ultimately did write, even though he was in his Eretz Gzeda, as they call it. He's extremely involved in the strengthening of Judaism. He was sent off in a horrific train on this journey that was for days on end, yeah, to a place there was literally no Jews. Whenever Tzilchana. His wife, the Rebbe tells, journeyed out to meet with him, to be there with him, against everybody's recommendation, of course. She was able to bring some svarim. And amongst them was the Zaya. And his proficiency in the Zaya, his knowledge of everything that was in the Zaya, but he did not have books or anything else, she made for him she made for him ink. She made quills. Hey, 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 you're exaggerating. Basically, you gotta get abas. She made for him quills and ink, and he would write in the margins of the Zayar that he had what we have today as Bure Zayar from Levik. Um, he didn't limit his now, although he was very knowledgeable and very, very profound in his study. He didn't limit himself, of course, to the only the elite in the Talmud Hakham, all the simple people and everything he gave Shirin, he followed up with. He had a very, very strong yearning for one to be Mesenefesh, literally, to give one's life for the education of children. And even children referring to people, adults, that did not, were not profound, not well-learned yet. 
um, and this is in spite of all the hardships they put him through, he sought to it to set up and to establish many different learning institutes in the Nepa, and even later when he went to, to Almata, and the community started to form there, he sought to it there as well. Much different Vertlachon, things that the Rebbe said, that the Levik said, he spoke of the name Yisachar. Yisachar, the Shvatim, Smach Zvulim B'Tseisachar, Yisachar Bayalecha. Zvulim went out to work, and he supported Yisachar in Ayalecha, in his sitting, studying in the Aholei of Teda. Question is, though Yisachar spelled Yud Sin Sin Chafresh. Yisachar. It's spelled Yisachar. Why do we call it? Why is it always red? Yisachar. You can't tear this, Mama. You can't tear it. Yisachar stood for Teda. Smach Zvulim B'Tzisachar. Hi. Yisachar Ba'alecha. So, since Yisachar stood for Teda, so there's two sins, I think she wants to escape. <laughs> one is, represents the Nigel of the Teda, one represents the Nist of the Teda. One is the revealed parts of Teda, one is the hidden parts of Teda. And since we only pronounce it with one sin, Yisachar, we don't say Yisachar, this is to tell us that we hide the second sin second letter sin because it is the history, the nister of Teda, the hidden parts of Teda. The problem that they had with Rabbi Levik, as we said before, was the union of Kashrus. And he said the word Kasher is an acronym Kameitse Shalal like one who takes out much riches. Many people, they wish each other for Pesach, HaKashav Sameach. And at that point he said, Kasher stands for Kameit Shalom. They should have whatever they need. And he explained as follows, when a child, a Jewish child, is careful the way he eats, and makes sure that he only eats kosher, and of the ultimate highest level of kosher. <laughs> yeah. Which means to say he doesn't rec- he doesn't re- doesn't rely <laughs> he doesn't rely on just average kosher, but he sees to it that it's ultimately strict strict kosher, and he asks and he checks and he makes sure that the thing is a kosher food. Then everything else that he does is also like that. He sees to it that everything he does is intricate, and every mitzvah that he does, he follows through fully. And we're going to discuss later the union of mitzvahs from the Pasha. So if his action, his behavior is kshena, huh? What have we got here? That is a banana cake. I'm not sure. Don't give her that chips, the chocolate chips. I 
Same thing also when a person behaves that way, and they act like a soldier in the army, and they see to it that everything they do is 100% and 100% clear and devoted to make sure that their actions are the right way and they don't cut corners in their mitzvahs, then the same way also they come out to the concept of mitzvah shalom. It's like conquering, like winning a great battle. You win a great war, after winning the great war, the great spoils that come about afterwards. And this, of course, refers to Dafka, a spiritual war, a spiritual battle. A person stands through many tre- tests, trials, tribulations, and he hears many things from the Yitzhahara. Yitzhahara is a melech zok in And he behaves in a way that almost looks right. But we don't listen to him. And not only we don't listen to him, we actually impress others not to listen to him as well. And so to also kosher his kemetzah shalorov and the example is when he gets parnosa kshera making a kosher parnosa working in a parnosa that's bechin as a metzah shalorov because the etz of the person is it should be terasim nasi the person should ultimately be living his life with tera and the time that he has to work is gzela from the nefesh kiss. He's stealing from the holy soul. What does this mean? That through this he can, he can ultimately elevate and purify the, everything that goes on in the world, and he brings it up to Kedusha. So much so that it becomes made to shalom of shalom from the yana the spoils of what's not supposed to, the things that you're not supposed to do, things that you're not supposed to be involved with, all these spoils become elevated and the person sees to it that he reaches and achieves and ascertains the highest levels with everything that he accomplishes in this world. And this is the concept, this is a study of words from Ablavik. Ablavik was a very big, as we said, Kabbalist. In 1935, the KGB was mamish on a roll, watching every Jewish activity considering a counter-revolutionary, it was 11 p.m., and there was a knock on the door of Levik, of Levik's house. Levik at the time was, as we said, the chief rabbi of the Neba Petrovsk. An older woman came in. She looked around, she checked to make sure only the Levik was there, and his family, there's nobody else there. And she said, listen, I come from a very far city, I can't tell you where. In an hour, at midnight, my daughter's coming with her fiancé. They're very important people. And if they get caught doing what they're going to do, they're going to be killed. They need to have a chuppah. And it's only after I begged and pleaded with them, they agreed they're going to come to here to the Dinepe, and they're going to come to you, and they're going to allow you to make the chuppah. Exactly midnight, the couple arrived, and they were brought immediately into a side room, nobody should see them. The Rebbeinik started to prepare. First thing, you need for a chuppah, ten men. You need ten men, 
He's one. Chassan's one. It's two. Now where do I find eight more? It's midnight in the Nefer Petrasque. Can't be walking the streets. <coughs> so the Blavik started to go out and knock on doors. And lo and behold, there's another Jew, and a third, and a fourth. Within a half hour, he had nine men. He's missing a tenth. In Ablevik's building, there was a young Jew that the KGB put in the building. And they put him there to report on any activities that went on. Any Jewish activities, any Fabrengans, any studies. Anything went on there? He was the spy. He was a KGB spy. He was the ears and eyes. No. Ablevik sent a messenger telling him, come to be the 10th guy for the Chuppah. Everybody was shocked. He should come. <laughs> they were petrified. They came, they knocked on his door, and they told him, Ablevik wants you in his house, the 10th man for the Chuppah. <laughs> he jumped like a snake with him. He said, are you crazy? You ki-? He asked me to come? So yeah. The guy ran, he closed all the windows, closed all the shutters, made sure nobody sees what's going on. And he snuck into the house. The Rebison took a big tablecloth and uh, four sticks. Not sticks, actually, people. Four people held this, the, the thing. This is the, the chuppah. Ksuba was written by Berevlevik. He wrote it by Har Pavli. Chas and Kala came out of the private room nobody saw. Khalil's face was covered, the Khalil's face was almost also covered. It was now 1.30 in the morning. And the Khalil and Khalil, as soon as the chuppah was over, they split, they booked it, as we say in America. There was no candles, there was nothing. There were seven circles, regular customary way of a chuppah. Everything was done, the condition, the ring. Hariat, by 1.30 the bride and the groom were out of there. There were two people in this group that held Communist Party cards. They had cards from the Communist Party. Surely they belonged to the party. They were Jewish, but this got them through a lot of things. They came over to Levik and they were crying when they saw this. <coughs> they said, Rebbe, now we belong to you. This card is worthless to us. We can't be attached to you. There's nothing in life. And they gave up their whole communist regime to come join Rebdevik and study with Rebdevik. And this is what Chaf Av represents to us, the union of Messias Nefesh of Rebdevik, Messias Nefesh he had for Yiddishkeit, for Chinech Yiladim. And this we see in this week's parsha in many, many different ways. To start, Ekev, as I say, represents the ankle, and even the ankle's mitzvah, mitzvahs that we feel are insignificant, God forbid, one needs to see to it that they involve themselves and they devote the same equal keiches, same equal devotions to those mitzvahs as they do any other mitzvah. One does not um, 
pick and choose mitzvahs, but rather every mitzvah is of complete and total relevance. It has to be in the highest standard of relevance that we need to see to it that we complete it. But we have a very interesting posik. Chapter 7, verse 13, He'll bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your soil, your grain, your wine, your oil, your offspring, your cattle, choice of your flocks. Everything is going to be beautiful for you if you do the mitzvahs. When you do a task, you know how significant your task is according to the reward. You get a big reward for it. You know you did something really great. If you do a small little thing and you get a small little reward, it was an you did something nice, but nothing major. How could any worldly possession she's on a roll there? Listen to her, can I know her? How could any worldly possession in the world compensate a mitzvah? Grain, cattle. And besides, we know in Pirkeiovus it says, in Perik Dalad, Mishni Yitzayin, Yofa Shor Achas, Mitshuva Maisim Tevim, Mikol Chayelim one minute of tshuva in this world is greater than the whole world to come. So, in other words, Taylor Mitzvah is not even compensated enough with the world to come. So how could we physically say that a physical grain, wheat, wine is going to be sufficient, is going to compensate Mitzvah? In Perik Perikav is Dalit, Perik again, Perik Dalit, Mishnah Beis, it says, Schar Mitzvah Mitzvah. The reward of doing a mitzvah is the mitzvah itself. What's a mitzvah? Mitzvah is Lashon Tzav Sivachibur. Attaching. You're connecting yourself with the Eivishter. By connecting oneself to Hashem, the person has this the greatest war, award that the person could possibly, reward that a person could possibly look for. Similarly, we see that the Taylor says the same thing in the promise of material prosperity. You're going to get rich, physical well-being, you'll be healthy if we observe the mitzvahs. And Rama brings down Hukas Tshuva. Shem promised in the Taylor that if we fulfill it joyfully and happily, all the obstacles prevent us from fulfilling it, such as sickness, war, famine, all will be removed. He'll grant us all the good, reinforce the fulfillment of the Taylor, Society, peace, abundance of silver, gold, in order that we should not need to devote our days to physical needs. And be freed instead, study the wisdom of the four mitzvahs. If we fulfill the mitzvahs, Hashem provides everything we need. We do the mitzvahs right, Hashem takes care of us. If we study Taylor properly, the greater comfort and ease is granting us the reward of the mitzvah 
Tzachar Mitzvah Mitzvah. Many years ago, there was a French girl, her name was Perla Coin. Perla was studying in year in the school that was run by Rabbi Gurevich, Beryl Gurevich. We spoke about Beryl Gurevich in previous Shurim, my brother-in-law's father, actually. Very special man. And actually, this peddler didn't come from a religious family. But they gave her a lot of chizuk, they gave her a lot of power, a lot of strength and connection to connect with Taylor Mitzvah. As a matter of fact, she was invited many times to the Gurevich family, to their household for Shabbos. So that she could enjoy, she could live a proper Shabbos. And Perla um, was uh, doing nothing she was living her own life. She didn't really look to become from from. Nothing. Bye, Yane. And she moved into her own apartment. She had her own apartment. She was living on her own. And um, talking to Rabbi Garevich, talking to her, he told her she has to have a mezuzah on her door. Need a mezuzah for the door. Now, this is not, obviously, today we hear about it more blatantly, but it's not a new thing in, in, in Paris, especially France. The anti Semitism was terrible. <laughs> Having a mezuzah on your door, you were advertising that you're Jewish. And you were bringing yourself into major trouble. And perilous friends came to her and told her that just that. And after a few weeks of these major conversations, maybe two, three weeks, they scared Perla enough and she took the Zuzah down. A week or two later, Perla came home one evening and saw a note on her door. She had a package delivered, but she wasn't home. So it was delivered to upstairs. The guy upstairs has the package for her. She went upstairs, the apartment number was on the paper, and she went upstairs, she knocked on the guy's door. Perla was very pleasant, he said, I saw him coming, I saw him giving, putting the, the package by your door, I knew you weren't home, they saw you weren't home, said I would take it for you. Okay. <coughs> she says, thank you very much. As she's walking out, he says to her, Shalom. She turns around in shock. What did you say to me? Shalom. She says, you're Jewish? He says, of course. Unfortunately, he says, 
My entire family was wiped out in the Holocaust. And um, I'm one only. And I unfortunately gave up everything. Food, kashas, mitzvahs, tefillin, davening, shabbos, yamtiv, kippah. There's nothing. I have nothing. May I ask you a question? He tells yes, Perla. Shisho. Why'd you take down your mezuzah? Before she could explain it, he starts to tell her what the problem is. One day the elevator was broken. The elevator was broken, he had to walk upstairs. As he walked upstairs, he walked by her apartment and saw mezuzah. He saw the mezuzah and he was grabbed by the mezuzah. And he started to reflect and he started to remember and he started to think back of all the beautiful times and things and happiness and Yom Tov Shabbosim. Yeah. So he said, I held my hand on your mezuzah. I just stood there concentrating. And since I saw this mezuzah on your door, I stopped taking the elevator. Every day I would walk up and down the steps so I could walk by and stop by your mezuzah. And now you took it down. You took it down. You deprived me. Mm-hmm. Pale Perla was very, very touched by this story. And she went back to Abegarevich with this man. And Baruch Hashem Perla is married with a nice Jewish family. From family, children and everything. And so is our survivor. Not married, but at least he came back to Rabbi Gerevich, started putting on tefillin, and started doing all the things that he should have done to begin with, which unfortunately was taken away from him. Both success to us, this week's Pasha, chapter 11, verse 19, Perikiralov Daber Bom. Teach your children to speak to them. This verse is the source from which we learn a father must teach a child Tera. The Altarebbe writes, a father is obligated to teach his young son Tera. As it is written, the Maratamesim is Benechem, the Daber Bom. When does this take place? When does one need to start teaching? When the child begins to talk. Soon the child begins to talk, we must teach the child to say, Teda, Tziva, Lanu, Meisha. And we need to teach them Shema Yisrael. Prior to this, Teda instructs Back in Pedic Vov, Pasik Vov in Zion, teaching how thoroughly you must teach the children. <laughs> the command, however, speaks of a more advanced level of learning. 
The child has already a capability to thoroughly grasp Tera and retain things. In addition, Chacham tell us, the word children refers to the students. Spiritual children. The mitzvah to teach them thoroughly to your children. Is whose obligation to learn to teach Tera, someone who desires to study Tera, <coughs> even those that are not biological children. We know the famous story of Al-Trebbe. He brought a, his child to the Malamid and told the Malamid, the teacher, I have an obligation to teach my child, you have an obligation to support your family, let's switch, I'll support your family, you teach my child. And the country of the Taylor says, you'll teach them to your children and speak with them. So one place it talks about thoroughly teaching the Taylor, and one talks about speaking, just talking it through. And we said speaking is a very early stage when the child begins to talk. So at that point, you have to know, meditate at civil animation. This level of learning belongs at home. Child old enough to be said to a teacher, that's a different level. Before that, the child has to be taught at home. So it's the parent's personal mitzvah to teach the tailor to the child. It's an obligation that goes into effect as soon as the child begins to talk. Moshe Rabbeinu reprimands the Eden, as we said, throughout Chumash Devarim. In the 37 days of Chumash Devarim's recital, he's going through the 40 years of the desert, all the trouble they caused. And he also talks about all the things that were done for the Jews. Boy, this is fun. This is fun. And the Pasuk tells us, in Pedic Ches, Pasuk Gimel, chapter 8, verse 3, HaMachil Chamon Bamidbar, Ashalai Yadun, Avisecha, Laman Anitzcha. He fed you Mon in the desert. Your ancestors did not know Mon in order to afflict you. In order to afflict you. The Gemara in Masechtis Yuma, if you keep a square at home, Ayin Ayin Dalad Amabez, seventy-four, side two, interprets this verse very literally. The mon was a food that left you feeling hungry and afflicted. Now we've discussed this before. The explanation to that was very simple. You could not save mon from one day to the next. You got your portion of mon today, this is what you ate. Now the fact was, they were full. So first of all, they were full, and when they ate it, they had any, any taste they had in mind, they had. They tasted whatever they said they thought they were tasting. 
But the fact was, it tasted like rib steak, but it didn't look like rib steak. It didn't feel like a rib steak. You didn't feel... <laughs> that you're biting into it, correct? You didn't feel that satisfaction of chewing it. I told you there's a guy that Shliach um, in Louisville, Kentucky told me he had a fellow that lost a lot of weight. One of the things he did, he said, is his shita. That's a very interesting shita, actually. I can't try it because I wouldn't ever be able to survive it. He says rib steak, for example. He loves rib steak. So if you love rib steak, you have to eat the whole rib steak. So I want to taste my rib steak. I want that delicious, sumptuous piece of steak. Now the truth to be told that there's now a patent that restaurants have that they put a certain type of plate down, the steak stays fully hot throughout the entire steak. Even has a name for it. <laughs> Good. I don't eat in restaurants. I don't know. So, <coughs> so why maybe they get patent apparently, but most people at home do not have that. And therefore, when you start eating your steak, eating it in the beginning is delicious. It's a hot piece of meat. Ah, if you blow on it before you eat it, even, and and it's just delicious. And it's it's, it's just small size. You're getting the, the juices and the it's amazing. But as you make your way through the steak, it doesn't have that same heat. Mm-hmm. But also, this doesn't take the plate all the time. It doesn't. Well, basically, so it doesn't work either. This is a certain time. Anyway, this guy Shita is that the best bite there was the first bite. So he would cut off the first bite and put it in his mouth and would chew it and chew it and chew it until he really got every taste that he could imagine coming out of his steak and spit it out. And that was enough. That was enough. He'd eat the vegetable or something else. That was enough to to, to satisfy his cravings for the meat. Patent. <coughs> it worked for him. He lost a tremendous amount of weight and everything else. Yeah. Um, it's a good question, but yes. <coughs> it doesn't say how much you have to eat meat. He's just having the juice of it. He's not having meat. He had he, he had the essence of that piece. What he spit out was dust, you know. It was <laughs> he chewed it to death. So the mud, in essence, is the same problem. You ate it and ate it and ate it, and you were full, but you didn't see what you were eating. But that's not what we're talking about here. Here we're talking about a different issue, a different concept. We know when a person is walking in a journey. <laughs> those of you who remember Suri Friedman. I don't even know what she is today. I'm sure she's already a married child with the children of her own Canada. Suri Friedman was a girl that went on a hike with all her, girl, all her friends in camp. And she got lost. She was in day camp, I think. Because she had peklak that she took from home. And she had a 
you know, the mother packed her off. and said, what are you packing up for going for three days? She's going for a few hours. She did go for three days. She ended up lost in the forest for three days. <coughs> but she had enough food with her. Um, was she in perfect condition when they found her? I don't think so. I don't remember exactly what the, the, all the Pratim uh, were. Um, but Sir Friedman was an example of the three day the three days of Peklach that the Yid takes with him always. No. If you have a basket and in there is Peklach and breads and chocolates and spreads and everything, you, you're good to go. You're good to go. You're good on your journey. You have no problem. You don't even need to eat half of that. And you probably won't eat half of that. But as long as it's there, I feel good. Mashenkin, if you're going for a 10-minute walk, a 10-minute drive somewhere, a half-hour drive, and you don't have anything in the car, not a bottle of water, not any food, not a cookie, not a chocolate, nothing, it doesn't feel, you just feel, I, I gotta get something. I, I, that's what the, um, there's an expression, it's called the, the gas station junkie. Me, that's the gas, the gas station junkie Mustama comes from. Person feels the need to have food with them. No, the man didn't do that for you. The man didn't stick around. You had the man today, you didn't have it tomorrow. So your man was finished. If your man was finished, you didn't see tomorrow's food. You had no snacks for the next snacks. Yeah, I mean, no snacks now. Now the problem also becomes when you don't have food, you you start worrying, you start thinking. The fact of the matter is though, that Abish was giving you the food every day. You're getting this money every day. You knew tomorrow morning that one is gonna be there. But it wasn't there. It was there the next morning. But for right now there was nothing in my fridge. And therefore, as big as a believer as I am, and this is the problem that people have, when they don't believe in the Ebishtah, is the one that gives everybody the panas they need, and they start to think that I'm the one that's doing it, they have to make sure that they can hoard and they can have money. They can have money in their accounts, they can have money in their retirement accounts, and they have to money in the IRAs and the IRFs and the IRSs and the, everything that has an I and everything that has an R has to have money in it and they have to have they have to be spread out and they have to diversify and they have to have stocks and they have to have bonds and they have to have real, real estate. I can't sleep at night if I don't know that I have, that I'm well, well secured. secured. Nope. So this is something that made the people, torture the people, Pashat. What was the concept of Mon, though? The Mon also had a spiritual connotation to it. <coughs> the yearning and the thriving for the Mon, this was the praise of the person. Because although it didn't have any shelf life, the shelf life was for the physical person. The person living for the physical reality of the world. So therefore had no lifespan. All the other creatures that are created in the world, we see them. 
You have the sheep, you prepare the sheep today, you have a sheep tomorrow, you shech the lamb tomorrow, you shech it, you have some lamb chops in three days from now. You see all this happening, you see the, the creation is there. The month showed us no. Hashem is recreating it. There is non-existent mon by nightfall. There is nothing existing. It's, it's essence. It's creation. was not continued. There is no continuity. So the person that was physically looking to be satisfied, he suffered anxiety, affliction. But for the Anav, for the person that was Mesenefesh Vateda, that was Mesenefesh, that was totally developed and given over his life for Teda study, the man was a constant source for him of nourishment. He constantly got spirituality, derived spirituality. <coughs> and because he was so humble, his humility brought on the strength to be have infinite Goodness <coughs> coming from the money. So now we understand what the Gemara and Brachas, we're keeping score at home at 48, side B. Memches Amit Beis. Mesha composed the text of the, of the Bracha, first Bracha of Birchas Muslim. When Bnei Yisrael would give him the money, he gave him what to bench. Birchas Muslim. You have to be with Savoto. You have to be satisfied. If the one left the people miserable, feeling hungry, anxious, how can he make this bracha? But now we see from what we said before. Because the man, the idea of the man was a spiritual nourishment. And the man gave a constant satisfaction and therefore the person has to bench. Who's benching? The person is benching, the person will discuss in a minute the concept of Tzvillin. We'll see that the whole concept of Tzvillin is mean in the Shama. So the truest situation of the man really what it stood for was spirituality at its highest level. Telling us and showing us how it re- this was created every single day. And although we think that sometimes that the world is created and running an automatic pilot. We have to realize, we have to understand that no, it's created and recreated and recreated each and every second. We are constantly being recreated, and that's how the Abishta runs this world by recreating the world. And that's how the Abishta runs every little thing and every nuance in the world. So a person shouldn't think that they have, they have any control and they have any say in the matter of what soul, what Tayyip is all about, or what life, what existence is all about. And this is, we go back to the parish of Krishna, Olav de Bechol Levavchem. With two basins, we said before, with the full heart, Yitzhari, Yitzhateif. Yimad and Tainus, Yiralif, Yimu, beginning of Tainus. It says, Ezi Aveda Shibilev. What is the Aveda? Ovdoi Bechol Levavchem. What service does one do with their heart? Zutfila. Prayers. And again, if you keep me score at home, it's brachas that chavdalu ramet beis. The Gemara tells us, "Vekele la yishma." Person davens, obviously referring to Shmuel. So you now hear the voice. 
Mikan says the Gemara. She also like be a kaila betfilas. You're not allowed to raise your voice, Beishmini. Betfilas The Rif on the Gemara says Mikan from here within the Mispalul. She says Tfilasi belachash. Tfilas to be quiet. Total different approach. One says you're not allowed to raise your voice. One says it has to be quiet. What are the two different crusades? When it comes to tefillah, there's two things. We pray. Something we need. Praying for, I need this. And the second concept is Avedah Shebelev. Tefillah, as we said, is the, the concept of Avedah Shebelev. This is how the heart serves God. No. Like we learned, all the Bechol of If you're going to say that the main part of the tefillah, <laughs> getting up the step and down the step. The main part of tefillah is the concept that a person needs to pray for what he needs. So the mitzvah, the main part of tefillah is mitzvah shabidibur. You have to talk, you have to express yourself. But even though the Abishta knows the mashavas of the person, still in all, the person has to say it. He has to ask. The talking and saying, asking like you ask from a, a regular king. You go into the king, you have to make, you have to place your request. You don't telepathically give it over. And therefore, you can also say that this talking of Tvila has to be dafka loud, that everybody should hear you. That's why it's fun to say it loud. Like a bakasha, melech bas vadam. Bakasha has to be in the nishma vadavka. But, the Yamada also says that a person who is very loud is considered katne amuna. They have a little amuna, a little belief. They lack belief. And therefore, the Tera says it's also to say daven too loud. So we find why you're not diving too loud because it's a concept of Katne Yamuna. That doesn't tell us you have to daven quietly. If you want to say the main thing of Tvila is the Kavana, the Machshavah Sabalev, the Avedish Sabalev, the word of service to the person in the heart, and not the Bakoshis of requesting what he needs. In that case, you have to have them quietly. Because it's it's from the heart. And by screaming and saying loud things, you don't have proper concentration. So this is the difference to the two Vishayness. One saying that it's Asr, and one saying that you should have them quietly. According to the Gemara, it's also like Bia, Kele, Tvilasa. What do you keep doing? Mashma, that there's an issue to raise your voice. But you don't have to daven quietly. And therefore comes the other one that explains, yes, but not only you're not supposed to raise your voice, but you're supposed to daven quietly in essence. Shabbos Shabbos
El, huh? Oh. Anniversaries and birthdays. Oily, but oily. So someone said, and we were now we told the story of the El, the, the battle cry El. Beautiful things. It's a beautiful thing. Melech Basada, the Alpha says. El is, represents Melech Basada. The king is in the field. The king is in the field. That sometimes a person wants to come to a king to request things from the king. You have to go through appointments and through this one and through that one. You have to bribe another one and another servant and another guard until you can get to the king himself. Chaydish El is Melech Basada, says the The king is in the field. And the king is in the field for everyone to approach him. Not only is the king in the field, but he's in the field upon him. He's with a happy, with a smile, and he's joyful and joyous. And he's ready to accept our Bakashas. And that's why, of course, the Svadim starts Slichas already from Chaydish El. The Ashkenazim who get away with that are not getting away with too much this year because Rosh Hashanah is on Monday and Tuesday. So they're going to have to say Slichas all week. So Ashkenazim also not getting away with too much this year. We have a whole week of Slichas. Um, we'll get to Mitzvah when we have to talk about Slichas. This is the concept of Chedesh El. And when we see Takemelech Basada, the Panam Tzecha case, and he should come out smiling, and we should all be smiling. And you know, Shreik Pinu, Oshaynenu Rino, and Rino in Rino the Simcha, and the Simcha, the Simcha Amitus Hashlema, Ayidei Mashiach Kenu. And although we are short about a minute or so of the Shir, we will apologize for the short, brief, abbreviated Shir. Shabbat Shalom to all.